good group going back today. Appreciate those ladies as always. We turn into James 1, as Brother Riley said. We're going to get started here in just a minute. I want to continue to talk about getting our hearts and our lives ready for revival. We talked about that last week with our verses in Psalms 51. And guys, we talk about revival coming and we pray for revival in our country, in our land, in our churches. But we all know where revival starts. It starts in each individual's heart. And if we can't get to that place, I don't think we'll ever see large-scale revival like we want. It has to be a change of our heart. I used to sing a little chorus, Change my heart, O God, make me ever new and ever true. And uh, Man, just get in there and just wash me up real good. Giving God control leads to revival, I guess, is if you want to title our message today. Um, and it, it's, we, we just live in an age, we live in a time where we feel like we have to be in control. We've got to take care of things. We've kind of been built that way, a lot of us, that, you know, step up, take care of yourself, do the right thing, um, you know, don't lean on others and, and all those kind of things. But, you know, we were talking to the kids today in the, in the youth class students and you know, when we read God's Word, we're supposed to read the Word in light of God's Word, all right? Now, what does that mean? That's kind of double talk, isn't it? It means that when we read God's Word, we see it in the context that it's meant to be, whereas that it's pushing us all toward being more for God. It's pushing us all to have a deeper understanding of God. And it's pushing us all so that we can have that, that holy life that God so desperately wants us to have. It's more than just reading words on a page. It's, it's more, more than just checking a box that I read my Bible today. It's, it's reading that and looking into the mirror of the word and letting it change us. You know, later in James, well, I don't think we'll get there today, but later in the in chapter of James, it says, it's like someone that looks in a mirror and realizes they, whoo, my hair looks bad, you know? Or, man, I need to brush my teeth. They're a little green. But then we walk away and we don't ever do nothing about it. We just keep living that way. Well, so many times when we read God's Word or we come to church, and yeah, we like what we hear, it touches our heart, but we look in the perfect Word of God and we go, hmm, there's some sin there I need to deal with. Hmm, I got mad this week, and I didn't handle that very well. But you know what? I'm just going to walk away and just keep going the way I'm going. And that never lets God change us. God wants to change us. He wants to make us different today than we were yesterday, and he's not going to stop there. He wants to make us better tomorrow than we are right now. Has God changed you lately? Or have you kind of been in a rut? Have you been in a rut where it just seems like I just kind of keep living the same way and things just don't change and still kind of doing this? And I mean, I know all the good things about God. I think, guys, if ever a time in the churches in America, we have a great head knowledge of who God is. We have a great head knowledge of probably even the Scripture. We know all about them. But you know where we fail? Is we don't apply it. We look into the perfect mirror of God's Word, and it does nothing to change us. What, what a travesty that is. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? You know, that's what they say the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I want my life to change. I want to be better for God. I want to do more for the church. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to see revival. I want to see my loved ones come to know Christ. But you know what? I'm going to let someone else handle all that. And I'm just going to keep on going the way I'm going. That does nothing to change us. Amen? 
or oh me. Revival kind of gets to the nitty-gritty, guys. If we really want revival, we've got to dig down deep and let God shine the, the light on our heart. And if you're like me, there's a lot of cobwebs down there that need tending to, you know? Remember what they said to us, Gary? You know, we, get, we blame it on the cobwebs. Maybe we need to find out where the spider is and kill that, all right? You know, maybe we need to find out where the heart of the problem is. But you know what happens there? It usually means that, that it's our fault. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. It's, it's 100% our fault. But we like to blame someone else. We'll even go as far as this, boys and girls. We'll blame God. Surely not. You ever blame God for something that maybe you caused yourself? Hmm. We'll blame someone else. We'll even blame inanimate objects, things that don't even have a breath to them. We'll blame them. It's kind of like back when we was in school, we blamed the dog for eating our homework, you know? You remember that? The dog got my homework. You won't believe it. It was a mess. That's the way we treat God somewhere, like he's this unknowing teacher. By the way, your teachers knew better, okay? And they know better today. God knows better, okay? Because he made you. And we think like, I'm going to fool God this time. But we can't. We can't. So we might as well come clean. And then we'd really feel good, you know? When you go out and work all day in the dirt and the dust, and, and you come in and go, I need a shower. You don't stick your arm in the shower and go, Man, look, Gary, that arm's clean, and the rest of you stinks. That's the way we handle God a lot. God, I'll give you my big toe. Here's my big toe for service. But you can't have the rest of me, just my big toe. What does God want, guys? Say it, everybody out loud. He wants what? All of us. He wants us to, just like the day we were baptized, we plunged head deep into that water. It just surrounded us all. It encompassed our whole body. We were plunged into that water, and we raised up and said, I will live for Christ from this moment on, 100%. Hmm. Something, isn't it? One of our verses from last week up here on the screen, David said after his sin with Bathsheba and his adultery with Bathsheba, that led to, oh, I don't know, adultery, that led to a home being split up, it led to her husband being killed. It led to a baby being born. It's just amazing all that sin can do. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is the heart of revival. When you say, God, I want you to wash me up. And you remember we talked about last week that those words, if you, you put them in context, it's kind of where we get that wash me white as snow. Remember we sang the old hymn, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And that's what happens when we let God get a hold of our heart. He washes us white as snow. But the problem is, it's just like our kids, they don't stay clean. Even them pretty little girls I got, they got to have a bath every night because they stink. They stink. And they'll get out there and they'll get in the mud and dirt. And I thought, man, if I get me some girls, I'll just sit around in their pretty little dresses all day and cross their legs and curtsy and, and I won't have any problems. Mama's in there every night with you know, a power washer and a scrub brush, you know, cleaning them up. That's what we need to do, let Jesus get a hold of us, don't we? He needs to get a hold of us with a power washer and, and a big old wire brush. And it's not going to feel good, but I'm telling you, when we come through on the other side, we're going to be clean. And that's what, that will, that's what leads to revival, guys, is when we get cleaned up. Another verse is this right here. It's going to fit with our sermon this morning. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. All right? We look up there, and here's, here's the big trial before us. And, and we got to go into that trial not on our own understanding. Like, like I said a while ago, lean not on our own understanding. But we got to set that up in the basis of, in context of the Scripture. How does God 
want me to handle this. And what he's wanting us to do, guys, he's wanting us to get to the point in our life or every time before we pick up our foot to make a move, he wants us to ask this question, God, how do you want me to handle this? Because if you're like me, if I handle it, I'm going to handle it wrong. Let me ask you this. Did anybody get mad this week? I think we're all, y'all started looking at the ground. Need the vacuum, don't we? Okay, I got it. Did anybody handle it in a wrong way? Anybody tell somebody off? We all know about that. Listen, let me get right down here with you. We all know about that. All right? I heard a song this week. It's a new song out. It's okay to not be okay when you come in this place. Hear me. Hear me one more time. It's okay to not be okay when you come in here. That's why we come here. People have this idea out there that we come here because we're good and we deserve it. Because we just sit around and God just comes out and smiles on all of us and you are the greatest people ever and I'm so proud of you. And listen to me, he loves his children. He loves us just like you love your kids abundantly more, okay? But it's okay to come in this door and not be okay. Because that's why we come here. So he can show us how to be okay. Not of our own, but through Jesus. So if you told someone off this week, it's not a good thing. I'm not proud of you. You're not proud of me. But we come here to deal with that, okay? And we let him wash us and clean us. So we take that under, under advisement. We know, okay, here I'm going to make a step. I'm going to go through a trial. I want to know what God wants me to do. And what does it say? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Man, if I could get to that point, guys, I would be where I need to be. Right, Angie? If I could get to that point, that I take every thought in my brain captive, close up, put it up in a, in a cage. All right, what's, what about that thought can get me in trouble? Where does sin begin? Here, in the brain, doesn't it? Amen. Amen, Miss Mildred. Right here. It begins in the brain. Let's read a little bit. Let's go all the way down to 13. Riley done read verse 5, so I'm going to skip that, okay? But let me read that one more time because it fits well. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. It's not up here. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to you. Now, skip on down to 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by that old devil. By the old demons? By them mean old people? By God? Nope. What's it say, guys? Away by their own evil desire and enticed. It kind of has a connotation like hunting or fishing, you know? When you're fishing, you throw that lure out there, okay? And it's got all kind of green and wigglies, and it's just going to get that fish's attention. And you fishermen, when you find just the right one, you don't tell anybody about it, okay? Because that's, that's the key. That's my spot. I know how to catch the fish, and I'm not telling anybody how to do that. But what you're doing is luring that fish. You're getting that fish's attention. And he's drawn away. The minute he bites that lure that looks so good, there's an ugly thing waiting underneath. It's called the hook. And when the hook buries, you've got you a fish. Meanwhile, the devil, 
Meanwhile, sin, it sits there and wiggles at you in all kind of ways and shapes and forms. And it looks good. It sounds good. It looks good to my eyes. It looks, sounds good to my ears. And guys, listen to me. When you give God your all, when you say clean me up, when you want true revival, you've got to give him your, your eyes to deal with. You've got to give him your ears to deal with. You've got to give him your tongue to deal with. You've got to give him your heart to deal with. He's got to go in there and work on all that, guys, because that's where that evil starts making itself come about kind of like a, a trap you know they used to set they set bear traps and they they've got those scissor teeth and they they open them up like that and there's a thing in the middle and they put the bait there and when that bear steps on it or, or them and it it, clap, it claps on him somebody's telling me i was talking to js yesterday he said you know what they call that that piece in the middle it's called the scandalous where we get our word scandal from isn't it amazing when you get into a scandal, you always get in trouble? Closes on you. Read with me some more. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's a process. It's a process. We think about it, we mull it over in our mind, and then what, what should be our next step? What should we do next? What did we just read a couple screens back? We should take that thought captive and turn it over to God. But if you're like me, so many times when that thought of sin comes in our heart, the pleasure outweighs me turning it over to God and I leave God out of the picture, and all of a sudden my thought gives birth to sin. And isn't it amazing that sin never comes alone? The sin grows. The sin, you know, like you have chickens or, or whatever, they, they have a brood, you know, they have a, the whole group comes along, you know. And you have two chickens, and it's not just two chickens, all of a sudden here's more chickens and more chickens, and all of a sudden you've got a whole group of chickens. When sin comes along, guys, and you allow it to take over, and you allow it to grow into sin, where you actually do it, all right? You didn't stop before you took the step and said, God, what do you want me to do? You just did it. And it, 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 gives, it gives birth. And from that birth comes a brood of sin. The sin just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And next thing you know, you look up and you go, how in the world did I get in this spot? Going right back to David and Bathsheba is a perfect example of that. David looked across there, saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. That would, oh, send over there for her. He let that thought become a sin. They had an adulterous affair. She became pregnant. Something had to be done about her husband. Then the baby come along. And all of a sudden, you know, I hear this every day. Well, Brother Todd, it's my life, and I can do what I want to do with it, and it don't affect anybody else. It's just on me. And, folks, that is dead wrong. Because when we sin, it affects others. It affects our home, the people we love, the people we work with. It affects everybody in our, in our group. 
and all of a sudden your one little thought becomes a brood of sin, and you don't even know how to get rid of it. Because we've not, let, we've not talk, took every thought captive and give it to the Lord. You want true revival? You want this, this service right here with Brother Ron? You want it to be more than just five services of preaching and singing? You want it to truly change your life? That, that don't have to wait till 13th of September. That can happen right now, beginning right now. Lord, I'm going to just give you all of me, and I want you to change my heart. I want you to create in me a clean heart, a good... I want you to help me take every thought captive so that I can do the right thing. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Don't be deceived. Don't blame it on God. If there's evil, if there's trials, if there's troubles in your life, don't blame that on God. God is not, he doesn't deal with evil. He's not going to bring evil into your life. You see, when we have that thought of, of whatever that sin is, we can look at it two ways. It can either be a trial or it can be a temptation. Now, the trial part is going to help us because what are we going to do? He says every, every good gift comes from the Father above. It, 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 James is kind of making us look up, all right? When you look up, you see the stars and the sky and, and the, you know, the sun and the moon, and you think, man, there's a holy creator, and he's, he's awesome. But guys, when we get into trials and, and, and troubles in our life, if we can look at that as a trial, we look up and say, God, I need you. Now, what happens if, it, if, if we don't hand it over to God immediately, it becomes a temptation. Now, we're not all the way gone yet because you can say no to temptation. There is a verse in the Bible that says that with every temptation, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but God has made a way through that, okay? You can get through that temptation. You don't have to say, oh, I was tempted, so I had to do it. No, you don't, not with God's power. Now, before you know God, you're just going to go down that road because you don't know what's wrong. You just do it because you don't have Jesus in your heart. But when we look at revival, I think revival is, yeah, you're going to see people saved in revival, but revival is really for the Christian heart. It's one that's, you got to be, as the old preacher said, you got to be vived to get revived. You know what I mean? you got to know Christ. And so now you've got a temptation. There is a way out of that by looking up to the Heavenly Father of lights, and he can help you let go of that. But if you don't do that, guys, the temptation is going to turn into sin. It's going to turn into sin. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. People want to, they just want to blame someone. Man is always ready to shift responsibility for his sins. Either blame God or, or well, my sin is a sickness. That's the newest one. My sin is a sickness. At the bottom line, though, what we want to do when we commit a sin is we want to escape judgment. Don't judge me. Y'all heard that lately? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Because when we do wrong, we don't want nobody to judge us. I think in my heart, when I hear somebody say, or when I say, don't judge me, right then they're judging themselves. They know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. 
But if they scream out, don't judge me loud enough, it'll somehow cleanse their soul. Listen to me. Sin is not a sickness. It's a moral failure. It says, for which we all will give an account. Sin is not a sickness. It's, it's we fail. We don't like the word sin. Brother Todd, can you preach some more sermons on love? Yep. But you know what? If we don't really know how to deal with our sin, we can never truly love like God wants us to love. Amen? Because we'll just kind of callous it all over and gloss it all over, and we're going to love somebody because we want something in return. We're not going to love unconditionally. We can't understand it. Until we realize how much sin we have in our life and how hard it is to overcome and what Jesus had to pay the price on Calvary so that our sin could be forgiven, then we can't truly love. It's not, it's not a sickness, it's a moral failure. And James teaches us right where the, where the whole thing begins. It's right here in our heart. Let's read that one more time. I know it's hard to read, but we'll read it again. Verse, verse uh, 13. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot... Be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Let's get back to the thing, did you get mad at somebody this week? Our first thing is, I'm going to show them. I'm going to take control of this matter, and I'm going to tell them what I think. And when I get done, they're going to realize who's in control, and it's not them. You know what you just did? You got dragged right into sin, and you become the victim. Because you're trying to say, I'm in control, and I'm going to take care of this, and they're going to listen to me, and when I get done chewing on them, they're going to understand not to mess with Todd Vincent anymore. But what I did is I just stuck my foot in the bear trap, and it got me, and it sucked me in. Because I didn't handle it right. I didn't handle it right. What was I supposed to do? Take that thought captive. Ask God what I'm supposed to do next. Look at it as a trial, not as a temptation. Look at it as that, you know what, I can tell them off, but you know what would be better? Is to just love on that person. To show them the care that God cares for them. Show them the love that God showed me. And just go in there and overwhelm them with the love of God. And then all of a sudden, young people, like we talked this morning in class, we become that peculiar person. And that's all going, I don't want to be peculiar, Brother Todd, you know. But God asked us to be peculiar. Why did he ask us to be peculiar? So everybody would laugh at us? So everybody would make fun at us? So everybody would point a finger at us? No, because they would walk up to us and say, what makes you different? His name is Jesus. Can I introduce him to you? That's why we're to be peculiar. That's why we're to live different than everybody else. That's why we're not supposed to be drug away by our own evil desires. Because the minute we think we're in control, we look up and wham, the trap is done closed on us. And we become the one deep in sin. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something? The devil's crafty. And l listen, don't underestimate him. I'm not saying just kick him out of the picture because he's constantly working to get us to not follow God. But I'm telling you, we are our own worst enemy. Especially if you know Christ as Savior because you've got a way out and through. You may not even have a way out, but you have a way through. And it's right behind the great shepherd. And he will take you through it. And you'll come out on the other side smarter, stronger, and more mature. And that's what he's trying to do anyway. He's trying to mature us. He wants his kids to grow up and be able to represent him well. 
No different than what you do with your children. I don't, I don't tell Abby, Abby, just go out there and live however you want. You do whatever you want. You pick whatever you want. You say whatever you want. You just go out there and have a good time. I don't say that. And her mama sure don't say that. All right? When mama talks, it gets quiet around the house. All right? Daddy's just teddy bear over in the corner in an easy chair, you know? But, but you raise your kids. You, 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 you help them. You, you try to show them how to live and how to do the right thing. And what you're hoping is when they become 20, 25, 30, someday and they've got their own family, that they're mature and, and they know how to deal with life. They know how to deal with the problems of life. They know how to to give glory to God. They know how to do all those things. Is God any different than that? No. But on a much grander scale. Isn't it amazing that we have to keep talking about revival, revival, revival? Should a Christian person ever need revival? Not really. I don't think so. If we could ever get to that level of maturing and maturing and maturing, we'd be right there where we need to be. But we know that's going to be impossible. And in this world, it's too hard. So what happens when something's too hard? What do we teach our kids? Quit. It's too hard. That coach yelled at my baby. That coach yelled at my baby. Does he not know what he's dealing with? He is an All-American. He yelled at my baby. You just come home on the mama. My sister did that when my little boy, when Christopher was that little, and I liked to die. Coach looked over in the dugout. Where did Christopher go? Mama took him home. She said he was tired of him not starting. What did you do that for? But guys, it's kind of the way we deal with God. God, it's too hard to live for you every day. Lord, this sin is too tough. And Lord, it's too tough to fight it. So, Lord, I, I'm just going to go over here and sit on the sideline. It's just too hard. So rather than being, making a fool of myself, I'm just going to go sit down, and I'm going to let some of them stronger Christians handle it. And the devil sits over there and goes like this. It's exactly what I wanted. You're his. I've lost you, but you're out of the game now. That's one less person I have to worry about. And he applauds you giving up and quitting. Isn't it something how we are? Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, death can, can look two or three things. Now, we know that, that death came, what, back in the garden? You know, remember when Adam and Eve sinned? And, and that was the curse, that death would come to man. Remember he said, the day you eat of that tree, of the, of the fruit, it, it will, you will die. So that's one way that sin leads to death. Another way that sin leads to death is if it always keeps you away from finding the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the lost person right now. Sin leads to eternal death. When people says, I like my pleasures more than I like surrendering to God. And by the way, guys, when you live for Christ, it's a good life. It's good. It's fun. It's full of blessings. I'm not saying it's never a time of trial or heart hurt or hardship, but I'm telling you, it's good. You can have a great, fun, exciting life with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who don't believe that. Well, man, how, how do you handle not getting to do this and this and this and this and this? Because I don't even think about this, this, and this, and this. I'm busy just enjoying life. 
I'm busy just loving Christ, loving my family. You know what? I don't have near as much arguments going on because the minute I want to get mad at somebody, I catch myself. Here's what we should say or be able to do. I catch myself. I take that captive. I give it to God. He shows me what to do, and I go on about my business. We never get in a yelling match. I never tell anybody off, and I don't have this mad feeling all the time. It's amazing. I'm not always trying to put things back together. I'm not always trying to put fires out. I'm not always trying to build the bridge back up so I can go back over and be their friend. I just keep going with Christ. And it's so sweet, I just love it. There is a good thing to serve in Christ. For some reason, we think this is, what do you do, go in there and just bow your head and be real quiet and don't say a word? And, you know, oh, amen. I love Jesus, yeah. You know, somewhere out there, they think this is not fun. I love it. I love serving Christ been blessed am i always the best one no do i let god down i hate to admit it as your pastor but i do but you know what he loves me ain't nobody ever loved me like jesus ain't nobody ever loved you like jesus and he wants to make your life something something pleasant and something good and something holy but you but you don't we're, we're such knuckleheads guys you're not going to get that all the day you get saved, you know? I wish I could just tell you, come down here. Now, you get all of God there is to get, but because of all of our whatever we have in us, we have to work through that. We're a project. And, man, I am a project, okay? But God says, I'm going to take on that project, and I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep working on Todd. I'm going to keep working on him, keep working on him, keep working on him. And one of these days when he gets to heaven, he's going to be my masterpiece. He says the same thing to you guys. I'm going to keep working on you, keep working on you, keep working on you, keep working on you. I'm going to keep loving you. Keep taking care of you. One day we get to heaven, you're going to see God's masterpiece. And we're going to stand around, and we're just going to be amazed. Because all the evil thoughts, and all the jealous thoughts, and all the angry thoughts, and all the things that distract from who God really wants to be in our life are going to be gone. Amen? It's going to be gone. And we're just going to get to praise the Lord. With a heart that's not worried about being here or there, or, or I'm hungry, or I want to go there, or that. We're just going to be, we're going to have no worries. We're going to be in the presence of Christ, the Almighty, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel. God is with us. He, he'll be right there. And I'm telling you, heaven is real. And there is a hope. And there is a, it's not a hope like, I hope it happens. I, it's a hope like it's going to happen. It's a going to happen. The last way we can die to death when sin gives birth to death, the last death for a Christian is, it's like I said a while ago, we end up giving up and sitting over on the sidelines. And we die to blessings that God wants to give us. I believe someday when we get to heaven, we won't have to deal with our sin because that sin has been forgiven on the cross. When we give our heart to Jesus, he's, he's, he washes that away. And he remembers it no more. I won't stand before Jesus, God, someday and say, well, I did this and this and this. He's going to look at me because I accepted his son and look at you because you accepted his son. And he's going to go, you know what? When I see you, Todd, I see my son. And so well done, thy good and faithful servant. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We're not going to sit there and dwell on my sins. My sins have been forgiven. But I think we may stop and dwell on, Todd, why didn't, why didn't you go tell this person about Christ? Or why didn't you, the, the things I omitted to do, the things that I could have done and I didn't do, the missed blessings that I could have done for Christ. I think we'll deal with those in some way. But you know what? He is faith and he is just in every way. Let's put a little, 
put our faith on trial here real quick. Do I encourage evil thoughts to linger? Go right back, guys. Go back to that other screen just a second. Here's some questions for you real quick. We're just about done. I'm over time. Do I encourage evil thoughts to linger? When I sin, do I say I couldn't help it? It's just the way I am. I have a bad temper. You're just going to have to deal with me. Sometimes I tell people off. It's just the way I am. Are you really that way? Or is that what you got drug away to do? <laughs> All right. Last one. Do I blame God when I am tempted to sin? God, why'd you put this in my life? Remember this, guys. God has nothing to do with evil. He will stay away from it. He will never come in contact with it. And if you are doing something evil, it has nothing to do with God. You want to be right where God wants you to be? Stay away from evil. That's pretty easy. I think my five-year-old can understand that. Now, she may not do it. It might take me ten more times to tell her. But she understands it, okay? Let me read you this verse one more time about taking thoughts captive. Next screen. This is what we'll close with. This is, this is that taking every thought captive in the message. Listen to this. I just think it's really easy to understand. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. Y'all raise your hand. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. Everybody say amen to that. Yeah, doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or, or fight our battles that way. Yeah, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. Yeah, it's not fair. But you know what? We're not in that. We're over here in this group. We're over here in the God group. So those laws don't apply to us. <laughs> He's taken all my excuses away this morning. It don't apply to us. The world is unfair. We know that. But that's not where we live. That's not our home. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. We're not to love people just for what they're going to do for us back. Why do you do things? That's one of our questions for next week. Why do you do what you do? Do you do it for something in return or do you do it because you just love people and love God? We're not trying to manipulate but they are for demolishing that entire massive, corruptive culture. And that's not talking about going in there and beating them over the head and destroying them. It's saying, I'm going to live so close to God that that stuff doesn't even affect me. I can defeat that through the power of God. I don't have to worry about that corrupt nature. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. And guys, there's a bunch of those out there today fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. What did I say at the very beginning? Before I even take a step, God, what do you want me to do? And that verse says, I'm going to take it all and I'm going to capture it and I'm going to take it to God and say, God, help me deal with this. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into what? Maturity. So that we grow in Christ. So that we're better and closer to him today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, my prayer is, I'm closer to him tomorrow than I am right now. You see, we blame the world and all of its trials and all of its troubles and all the things out there for why we are the way we are. That don't apply to us. We took on a new nature. And I'm talking to saved people this morning. We took on a new nature we took on a new creator, and he made us a new creature in Christ. So all of a sudden, I'm playing by a different set of rules. Now, that don't say, please don't go to the, the, the cop after he pulls you over at lunch and say, 
uh, well, bro Brother Todd told me that I don't live by your rules and I can drive as fast as I want to because I ain't paying the ticket, all right? But what I'm saying is, don't let the ugliness of the world affect your life in Christ. And don't just follow along the ugliness of this world like, dum -de -dum -de -dum, I gotta no, I'm not winning that anymore. I've given my life to Christ and he's changing me and maturing me and he's given me every tool possible to clear the gray, to clear the way. My dad used to love a sickle. Remember those sickles? Bobby does. He remembers a sickle. And them, one of them old Kaiser blades, he called it. That's even before I knew where Kaiser was. He called it a Kaiser blade. In a, in a, I had one of them chop swings the other day using that. I'm going, man, I hadn't done that since Daddy made me do it. But we had every tool. Dad, for some reason, loved to find the most grown-up lot and say, let's go clear that lot. I think it's because my grandpa was a woodsman, and he, he cut down trees, you know? And, and they would clear down the lumber. But my dad grew up doing that, so he kind of had that born in him. You know, it kind of bred in him. So, so guess what? Todd gets to go out and clear lots with his dad. So I'm 10 years old out there swinging a sickle, you know. But we had every tool possible, sadly enough, to clear that lot. What's this verse here that says, Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. God has given us every possible thing we need to grow in him. The problem is, do we want to pick up the tools and use them? Or we want to take the easy way out and say, this world's dog-eat-dog. -dog. It's not fair. Them people are mean to me, and I'm tired of it. Just stand up and say, God, I'm sick and tired of it, but I know what? I know you've got a better way, and I'm going to follow you, and you just teach me how to live the right way. And this week, when you're about ready to blow your stack again, and you're mad, and you're fired up, and they done treated you wrong... I want everybody to promise me they'll take a big, deep breath and say, God, Father of lights, will you help me? Let, me? let me go by your rules and not the rules in my heart. Let me go by your rules and not the rules of this world. And let me treat people like you would want me to treat them. And Guys, I'm telling you, you'll take a lot of the stress out of your life You'll take a lot of the bitterness out of your life, a lot of the anger out of your life. And man, you'll just be whistling a happy tune. I come to the garden alone, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And there's joy there. There's joy with Jesus Christ. It's good to be a Christian, amen? Amen. Listen to me, guys. If you're not a Christian this morning, we aren't trying to leave you out. But sometimes God has to get a good hold of our britches and, and, and teach us a few things. But if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Christ yet and would love to know him, we would love to tell you how to be a part. And now you can, you can come and be a part of this family and you can live by these new rules and you can, you can grow in Christ and someday you can be that masterpiece that God wants you to be. And he already knows you are. He already knows you, and he loves you because he's already died on the cross for you. Won't you give him your life today? And to my Christian family, let's let him clean us up. Let's let him get those cobwebs and that spider and all those things down deep that needs to be cleaned out. And let's get ready for revival, amen? Let's get ready for revival. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we know we are your 
disobedient children a lot of times. But Lord, I know that you want us to continue on. You want us to keep learning and growing. And Lord, you give us every possible thing that we can grow with. Lord, help us to just let you look inside of us with that bright light that we don't like and let us be clean. Clean, giving me a clean heart, oh God. And Lord, let me take every thought captive and just present it to you. Lord, help me be peculiar. Not a peculiar obnoxious, but a peculiar that people want to know, why can I be so calm? And Lord, I know it's not me. I know that I can give direct credit to you for that. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us this week as we come across trials, and Lord, they won't turn into sin. And Lord, help us get a rein on our own heart and how we look at things. Lord, help us to get ready for revival. And we pray that we can feel that revival begin to grow in our own heart, in our families. And soon, Lord, in revival services, we pray for Brother Ron that will be here soon. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. In your name we pray.